Come with us on a journey into the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable. We will test your senses and challenge your beliefs. A world where science and religion clash. Or do they? You will meet real people and hear real stories, but you will not believe. You will witness strange sights and hear strange sounds, but you will not believe. This is the New England Ghost Project. Welcome to the Good evening, everyone, and welcome to another outstanding edition of Ghost Chronicles Next Generation. I am the old man, the keeper of the stuff, and with me, of course, from the East Bridgewater Triangle is <laughs> the amazing, fabulous, blonde bombshell herself, Ann Kerrigan. Well, good evening. What a glowing introduction. Yeah, I'm just in a glowing mood today. That's fabulous. Because we have on, on our show one of the hottest working men from the paranormal. You might know him from such books as The World's Will Haunted Places, Weird Massachusetts, Communicating with the Dead, Ghosts of War, and he stole my title, The Ghost Files. Oh, well. Anyway, he is none other than... Jeff Belanger. <laughs> Good to be with you, Ron Kylick. Yes, thank you, thank you. So nice to be on speakerphone, by the way. Wow, I'm not wading into this foray. Uh-uh. uh-uh. And I'm glad you're here. Let's just talk to each other and leave Ron out of this. Good thank idea. you, Jeff. Thank you. That's you awesome. Have, you have been writing books like forever now, huh? Yeah, my first one came out in 2004, which um, wasn't so long ago until it was. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah. Over a decade. Yeah, isn't that crazy? Yes. And it's so just... actually, something happened last month. Um, the very first article I ever published on the paranormal was October 23rd, 1997. And Whoa. so wow. I, I celebrated my 20 years of writing oh. about the paranormal last month. Oh my God. That's crazy, huh? I can't even believe you're that old. Yeah, I'm older than everyone thinks. So there. I, oh, definitely. <laughs> I don't believe it. Ah, I think so. I don't believe it. Yeah. I know. You're, I know. So Van Helsing's like, what, 180? That's so, something like that. I'm, so, I'm south of that. You, you must be a little bit south of that, yeah. Yeah, a little south of that. <laughs> I know I am. So, there. All right. <laughs> you say so. <laughs> so, I mean, you've written all types of books on the paranormal. And, uh, you know, you, you, had, you even had that. It was a kid's book, basically, wasn't it? The Who Haunts the White House? Yeah, and actually, um, I'm working on that book again. The um, Who's Haunting the White House was a children's book. It came out in two different editions. They totally sold out, and it was a really fun book. And I'm in the process of turning that into an audiobook for audible.com. Oh, sweet. Nice. Yeah, so that sh- I sh- I'm, I'm working on it now. I'm making some updates, making it like a, like a third edition. And um, I will be uh, recording it. Uh, in the next few weeks, and then should have it up in December. That's so awesome. Yeah. So that, what's cool is we live in a time when, you know, I mean, think about this. When we started, Ron, when we first talked to each other, you know, media has changed so much just in the last decade. You know, mm-hmm. uh, back then, you know, there were websites and there were books. Uh, internet radio shows were just beginning. And now we've got, like, I feel like the promise of the Internet. Remember back in, like, the 1990s when they're like, oh, you're going to watch TV on the Internet and you're going to do this and that. And it just never was happening. You know, years went by and you're like, what, where's, you know, where's my jetpack to the moon? 
Right. Mm -hmm. And it's finally happening. And it's, we live in a really interesting time when those of us that just have a passion for sharing stories and doing research have so many avenues to do it now between podcasts, radio broadcasts, traditional books, websites, uh, lectures, you name it. Um, we just, we, we have a lot of options, which is really exciting. Yeah, that's me too. And, and I remember when I got involved myself, the internet was, was fairly new. In fact, uh, when I went on, one of the first sites I, I found uh, was ghostvillage.com. Aw, uh, shucks. No, it's true. <laughs> yeah, that was 1999 that we started. So we're, 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 you know, it's crazy, huh? I mean, yeah. it, it's it's funny how, um, you know, time just keeps slipping. Mm-hmm. And I mean, uh, you know, like the internet was, uh, was like so vague when it first came out. I'm like, I kept asking, I'm like, explain it to me. I don't understand. My husband's an IT guy. Explain the internet to me. And no one can really explain it. And and then it just was everywhere. <laughs> Boom. Yeah. I, so. I think what it is, you know, the, the funny thing about the internet is that there's so much we can learn from it. And number one, it's it, it really is kind of, if you think about it, it is the collective consciousness. Like, mm-hmm. that's what it is. It's a... It's an amalgam of all of us, and and growing and changing and reflecting us, and 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 influencing us every single day, and that's really amazing. So we, I know all of us have a passion for ghostly legends and stories and haunted places, and if you think about the way the, that folklore has worked for literally tens of thousands of years, it, it still works the same way as it did, you know, two thousand years ago. However, it's incredibly accelerated mm. so you know a, a haunted place a thousand years ago someone would whisper a story and someone else would whisper a story and then you might tell someone else it would take months and years and maybe even generations for people to, to pass that story around mm-hmm. now you have a, a haunted experience you post it on facebook this morning it gets shared 200 times and you know a hundred thousand people have seen it by dinner time and suddenly, by the next day, this is like one of the most famous haunts around, and it all happened in under twenty four hours that's unprecedented mm-hmm. and like as a, a guy that's you know folklore is a part of what we do, whether we want to acknowledge it or not, mm-hmm. and as a guy who studies that stuff, it's really amazing and let me tell one more internet story <clears throat> excuse me um this uh this is so cool on uh, two weeks ago, I was at a place called the Old Mill in Dundee, Michigan, for an event. And I have a really cool audio recorder now, this really nice high-end um, Zoom recorder that I actually use for my podcasting and stuff like that, but I brought it to do EVP stuff. And we were in this room, and when I do an EVP session, electronic voice phenomena, I like to do them no more than about a minute, and then I play it back immediately. So we'll ask some questions, leave some silence, and then play it back right there. So if there's any strange noises, someone could say, oh, remember that was my stomach, or remember oh. that truck just drove by. Because mm-hmm. your, right. your memory's pretty good for like a minute, oh, you know? Right. Um, <laughs> if, if you play that two weeks later, you're going to forget that that truck outside, you know, you know, or whatever, and you forget that stuff. So we play it back, and I heard something right away. Uh, instantly, I said, whoa, wait a minute. That voice wasn't there one minute ago, and they, everyone agreed. But we couldn't make out what it said. So I came home, and uh, just uh, uh, yesterday, I got to post it. Um, Was it yesterday or today? Anyway, it's on my Facebook. I posted the clip, and I said, I'm not even going to venture a guess as to what it says. And all I did was boost the audio for that section. You hear me ask a question, 
or, or like introduce myself and then I boost the audio so it's louder. That's all. And I said, I, I won't even say what it says. And if you look at the comments and there's like 20 or 30 now, the first few say it says get out. And then it changes to something else and everyone starts hearing the same thing. And um, and then it, it just it's it's fascinating to me how like everybody's comment influenced the next person. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it, that's you know that's the old uh, um, you know thing. Oh look at I see that, and then everybody says, Oh yeah, I see right. that too. Yeah. So mm-hmm. once once we our brain knows what to look for, then it, it just recognizes it. So yeah, I mean, and that's that's what it, it came down to. Um, but yeah, it, it's it's. It, but it's interesting to me that uh, I was wondering if people were actually listening to it first or if they just read the comments and then listened and then said, oh, yeah, that's what I hear, too. Because you Agreed, can see, like, right. five yeah. comments say, oh, it says get out. Then the next five say, you know, it says something else. And then mm-hmm. it's it just it, it evolves. And I was like, wow, that's look at how fast folklore is working in yeah. just a matter of, you know, hours. Yeah, I mean, when you, it's funny that you, you bring it up, of course, because just uh, I posted today on my Facebook, it was five years ago, we went to Fort Tabor with you, and uh, yeah. and, and I took a, uh, a picture, five actually, years. yes, five years, and took a picture, and uh, it, it showed this white figure, and uh, I posted on my Facebook page, of all, all the pictures, not just that one, all from the camera, right. And and so everybody said it was a ghost, and and, and I said no, it's not a ghost. And I knew exactly what it was. It was it was me standing too close to the uh, the flash, and, and so I just whited out. And you know, you can see I, I knew what it was because I could see my my jacket and everything else. And uh, but yet people absolutely wouldn't take that. They said no, it's a, it's a ghost. And it's, it's oh, they were insistent. I'm like, I took the picture and I I know it's Ron because I look like I looked at it right away. I'm like, God, it's your jacket. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But that's, you know, and it it comes down to like people, we want validation for what we believe. You know, we just do. We want something that that we can point to and say, yes, this is it. That's that's proof that, you know, I believe in ghosts. You call me crazy. But look at this photo. Listen to this EVP. Listen to whatever. And it's that validation that people so sorely need. Um, which is too bad because, I mean, I don't know. Do you need validation that you love your children or that you find a movie funny or anything else? You know what I mean? Like, it's it's okay if someone doesn't find a, a movie as funny as you do or whatever. I, I feel like we, we live in a society, and, and that, that is probably because of social media, that we need validation. That if I post something, I need enough people to like it or suddenly I don't feel valid for it if i'm like boy this movie really made me mad because i thought it was a waste of money i need a bunch of people to agree with me or else i'm hanging out there when in the old days you just didn't like a movie you complained to one or two people and that was it so it's an interesting time we live in yeah absolutely and uh you know we can all we can thank al gore of course for a bit in the uh, internet so yes Absolutely. so lucky on that well Mm -hmm. but but it's it's intriguing that you know, ghost hunting nowadays, and, and you do a, a ton of events yourself. It, it's you know, some people take it extremely serious, and other people are just going out for a scare. Other people just for a good time, and and so you have that broad group. So it, it's hard to draw any, you know, legitimate evidence from that type of uh, experiences. Yeah, no, you're right, and and so. 
it's it's interesting. A lot of the investigating that I do now tends to be at these events because I do a lot of them, and you know, and, and really, and I always tell people like, what we're trying to do is just give you a flavor of this thing. This isn't a real investigation. If we were really doing it, there wouldn't be this many people. We would really control the environment. We'd go in, you know, a, a little more methodically and so on. But you know, you're, you're giving a taste of the experience, and and. But you're right. I've watched people say like, "Oh yeah, that that fluttering curtain or this or that that must be you know proof of ghosts." And um, I, I, and I always tell people like, "You're the judge who matters. Like, it doesn't matter what I think. It, it uh-huh. matters what you think. You're you're seeing what I'm seeing. You're experiencing what I'm experiencing. So, if you believe it's paranormal, then maybe the message was just for you and not me. And the other way around too. You get people that are totally. Non-believers are, you know, they call themselves skepticals, but they're really not. And and no matter what happens, they're just going to say, yeah, skepticals. Skepticals. Uh, yeah, skepticals. That's that, <laughs> that motorcycle gang, the skepticals. <laughs> but okay. anyways, uh, yeah, they, they just, they bring their own, uh, you know, criteria. In other words, everything, you know, ghosts don't exist. Therefore, whatever you get is, is just logical is so they've already made up their mind that way as well mm-hmm. i agree and, and actually but what is fun though is when someone um you know, you know does identify as a skeptic or whatever and then comes skeptical. away going whoa that that doesn't compute yeah but you find that very seldom i mean you know it's, i mean i could go on the the web right now and give you website after website of people that Everything they're going to say is just trash. Uh, everything, everybody else that doesn't agree with them, uh, you know, if they have. Yeah. That's the that's the that's on any subject, Ron. Mm-hmm. That's like you know, go, look at sports, look at politics, look at anything. It's a uh, you know, it's what uh-huh. that's that's just the time we live in. It's a shame. Yeah, absolutely. So I know. Let's see how we're doing. All right, we're doing all right for time. Uh, we have one of your fabulous things that you've been. Uh, uh, producing lately, and I didn't know if you would should play it now or, or should we wait. Uh, it's up to you. I think we'll play it now before the break. Uh, and, All right. So, Karina, can you uh, cue that up for me, please? And this is the the latest uh, stuff from uh, Jeff Belanger. Not the latest, but what he's doing now. Ray, have you seen that movie, The Conjuring? Yes, the house in Rhode Island, not far past Douglas. My aunt grew up right near that house. It scared me a lot. (laughs) Did you ever wonder what really happened in there, you know, before Hollywood got to the story? Absolutely. Well, that's good, because this week we're going to meet Roger Perrin himself. It's his family story that was made into the movie. I'm Jeff Belanger. And I'm Ray Osher. And welcome to New England Legends Podcast, where each week we explore some strange bit of history and lore from our region. So The Conjuring, the movie came out in 2013, and I feel like we should warn our listeners that there could be some spoilers here if they haven't seen the movie. There will definitely be spoilers. But the only way to get the real story is to contrast it with the movie version. So recently I was at a conference in Michigan, as was Roger Perrin. Now he lives in Florida now. But in January of 1971, he and his family bought a farm in Harrisville, Rhode Island. It was Roger, his wife Carolyn, and their five daughters. They all moved in. So I asked Roger, what did he think when he first saw the movie? I was disappointed. Uh, 
we were in the theater when it started. I was happy and glad to, that it was starting, but uh, not ten minutes into the movie, I was completely disappointed because the, the, there was no reality to what I was looking at. You know, I expected to see something that happened to us in the house, and they had changed everything. Wow, I'm surprised. I really always thought that that was based on a real event. Well, that's what it says in the beginning of the movie, based on a true story. So Roger's daughter, Andrea, wrote a book called House of Darkness, House of Light. I asked Roger if the book was at least accurate as to what happened. Exactly what happened, and the new movie is going to be identical to what's in the books. Roger talked a lot about his family's plans to make a new movie based on what really happened. Now, I've seen this before with other cases made into movies. The Amityville Horror comes to mind. I can only imagine how that story has changed over the years. Exactly. You know, each new movie has to be different from the last. It has to break new ground and shock and scare its audience. But when you're a person who lived the real thing, you can't help but get angry and want to tell the story your way. So this house or whatever was in there, I wonder if it was attacking everyone in the family. The only person that really suffered greatly in that house was my ex-wife. The kids eventually got to love the spirits, and the spirits loved them. And the main spirit, Mrs. Arnold, used to come to me and just rub my back every day. And that was her way of communicating with me. And uh, the kids, she would even put the covers on them at night in bed and everything else. And that's why she felt like she was supposed to be my wife and their mother, and that's why she treated my ex-wife so badly. No, that doesn't sound anything like the movie. It sounds like some kind of weird paranormal love triangle. So though Roger said he was never scared, he did say it took some time before he believed his house was haunted. It took about a year and a half for me to believe that things were happening because the kids would tell me, and I, and then finally I did believe it, and uh, especially when she started coming to me. So it sounds like he was being singled out. It does sound like that, and that's pretty common for people going through something like this, a haunting. They believe it's centered around them. We often live in our own heads and think no one else can understand this strange thing that's happening to us. So we're going to fast forward now. Ray, do you recall in the movie a kind of pivotal scene where the characters, Ed and Lorraine Warren... Played by Patrick Wilson and Vera Farmiga. They were holding this seance where they tried to contact the spirit of the house. This is what Roger said happened. The Warrens came over and they did the, uh, the seance in the house. And it was, that was not a good thing. I was against it, but they did it anyway. And three to five minutes into the seance, and my wife got all, her whole body went out of shape and extorted. It was, it was like an extortion. Somebody was squeezing her, and her chair got off, off the floor and came right into me into the next room. And I tried to, to help her. You know, she, she was completely out of this world at that point, speaking crazy words. And uh, I tried to help her. Now that sounds like the movie. It does. But here's where the story departs. It came over to me and started pulling on me and trying to drag me away from her. And I just got up and I called him a pretty bad name and I just turned around and whacked him. And I think he ended up losing that tooth. But uh, it was it was not a good thing. That was about the worst thing that happened to me in that house. So at this point, Roger Perrin kicks Ed and Lorraine Warren out of his house and asks them never to come back. Now, that's different from the movie where, of course, Ed and Lorraine are the heroes and they, they end up saving the day. Right. So Roger says he's been back to the house since and the spirit, Mrs. Arnold, is still there and still remembers him. He said he visited before this movie came out. Well, I can't help but wonder what happened to the house after they left. 
So I actually spoke to the current owners a few years ago. For reasons that will become abundantly clear in a moment, I'm not going to mention their names or anything else that might give away the house's location. After this movie came out, some big problems happened. I spoke to Roger about it. That's a problem. Yes, they do stop, and people have tried to go in and to the house, or they go into the, the, the windows and take pictures through the windows and so forth. One person even approached the house with a gas canister and tried to burn it down because of this movie. Can you imagine being in your 70s and living with something like that? To me, it sounds like a get-off-my-lawn situation, Clint Eastwood style. Yeah, but times 10,000, all hours of the day and night. What we're talking about here is something profound. Roger told me about a scene he'll never forget. I'll tell you a little story. I came back off the road. I was in the jewelry business in those days. I came back off the road. I walked in the house, and the first thing I did was go to the pantry to get something to eat, so I cooked up some beautiful scallops, the real scallops, the ones that come in the shell, not the, not the stuff they sell in restaurants. And I sat down, I started eating, and my ex-wife walked in and said, uh, Roger, Monday is Labor Day. I says, yeah, uh, no problem. Uh, I'm not going to go anywhere. I'll stay here. And uh, she says, but that's not the problem. The kids go back to school the day after, and they need shoes. I says, oh, okay. And she says, oh, my God. She says, let's take the kids to the little red shoe house in Webster, and and, uh, we'll get them some shoes. I says, you know, sweetheart, I just got in off the road. I'm tired. I just want to relax a little bit. Can we do it tomorrow? And she she said, don't worry, finish, relax, take it easy. I'll just take them myself. So she took off, and not three or four minutes after she was gone, I was sitting at the kitchen table and enjoying myself, and I I turned the music. I had some good music playing, and I started to read the paper when all of a sudden in the foyer, which I was looking at, it was like eight feet away from me, ten feet away, the cellar door opened up, and I heard some footsteps on the stairs and as the door opened up it opened up about halfway and I'm looking and all of a sudden I see like a, a cloud uh, or a veil of some effect that was flying into the, into the and then I says oh my god it's her she knows I'm alone she's going to try to come to me and for about a half hour I sat there I couldn't even eat anymore I was captivated with what was happening but then I uh, uh, in those days, I was young, and I didn't have the patience that I've got today. Even today, I don't have that many, that much patience. But, and uh, I just looked into the foyer, and then I saw this veil, and I said, Look, old lady, either come in here and sit and talk to me or just get the hell out. Well, she got the hell out. She slammed that door, and for the next five, six months, she wouldn't come near me. So I says, Oh, shoot, what did you do, Roger? What did you do? I had the opportunity of a lifetime. I could have sat there. If I'd have waited and had more patience, she would have come to me, I believe, and we could have sat there and had a conversation. I would have been the first man in history to have sit down and have conversation with the spirit, and I blew it. Oh, I blew it badly. Roger said the spirit of the house would often rub his back to let him know she was there, right up until the day they moved out in 1980. So it sounds like the real story is more like roommates trying to get along with each other. Yeah, it does sound like that. And the story isn't unique. I've talked to many people who feel their house is haunted. And what would be really frightening for a lot of us is normal for them. And that spirit or whatever is in their house, they actually look at it as family. I'm going to let Roger have the last word on this one. 
He described the day he moved the former owner out of that house in Harrisville. Says, Mr. Kenyon, I says, you know, the closing was quite a while ago and we need to move. And I, I have to make an offer to you. I says, either you can stay here and live with us or we can help you move. And he says, no, no, you come in. And he says, I, I, I appreciate the help. So we got everything, all of his stuff that he had to move, and we put it on the truck. And then he grabbed me in the kitchen, he put his arm around me, and he says, Roger, he says, for the sake of your family, keep the lights on in this house at night. Next week, we'll be back with another strange but true tale from somewhere in New England. And you can hear this and all of our past episodes at OurNewEnglandLegends.com. Plus, you can subscribe for free wherever you get your podcasts. Until next time, remember, the bizarre is closer than you think. something that was definitely bizarre <laughs> beyond bizarre mm. oh jeff that was very interesting sir thank you no it's i think um uh, it's interesting when a hollywood movie like the conjuring comes out and it was popular did you guys see it no i did not I, I actually thought it was a pretty decent horror movie but the strange thing is when you know absolutely everyone involved right like I know the Warrens. I know the parents. I know the people that own the house now. So it's strange to so I, like my brain was like jumping between like ooh cool horror movie and boy this is nothing like what happened. <laughs> and, and so when you get a chance to talk to the real people, and, and you know all, all people see is like based on a true story, and they think wow that must be exactly what happened. And you're like, no, it's not even close. Um, mm, right. That doesn't mean the place wasn't haunted. It just means that. Hollywood just, you know, runs with it and, and sometimes makes stuff up that I don't think is necessary, but whatever. What are you going to do? There you go. Hmm. So how do you chose these su subjects for your, your little blood-in-tripping uh, uh, thingies? So we've been doing them now for um, every week. We, we've been doing them, and you can get them on iTunes. You can listen to them on your show, uh, Stitcher, Google Play, and stuff like that. And, you know, I'm trying to do a couple things. Like, so on the one hand... I'm trying to tell great stories. That's first and foremost. And on the other hand, I'm I'm looking to spread it around the six New England states oh, and be, what, be diverse. We're going to take a break. I can't what? believe that. What? 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 Yeah, yeah. I'm just going to tell you the lottery numbers tonight. Oh, well, that sucks. Anyways, you listen to Ghost Chronicles Next Generation with Ian Carrigan-Ron. Hello. Hello. Can you hear me? My name is Harry Price. I am speaking to you via the medium of the Ghost Box. Many of you will know I carried out the first live radio broadcast from Haunted House way back in 1936 for the BBC. Now, thanks to the wonders of modern technology, I am still able to keep abreast of 21st century ghost hunting by listening to Ghost Chronicles International on Togginet, Parax Radio, The Ghost Channel, and even on something called a podcast. Two splendid chaps host it. One is an American who calls himself New England's own Van Helsing although I have discovered his real name is Ron Kolek. The other is Stephen Parsons, and he's a paranormal scientist. Well, mustache, I am required elsewhere on something called a K2. But don't forget, I'll be listening in every Tuesday from 8 o'clock in Great Britain and 3 o'clock on the American Eastern Seaboard. I trust you will join me there.
Feel the need to do some soul searching or make some changes in your life to create a more positive future? Then Circles of Wisdom is just the place for you. Circles of Wisdom is a metaphysical bookstore and more, located on Route 28 in downtown Andover, Massachusetts. We carry a large selection of books and music, crystals and gemstones, jewelry and gifts, sage, aromatherapy, and so much more, all in a relaxing and welcoming atmosphere. We offer classes on a variety of topics like yoga, Reiki, psychic development, alternative healing, and personal transformation. For guidance on this journey we call life, get a reading from one of our many readers at Circles of Wisdom, 90 Main Street in downtown Andover, right next to Bertucci's. Call us at 978-474-8010 or check us out on the web at www.circlesofwisdom.com. Lots to see and do in a feel-good place, an oasis in this hectic world. Next Generation with Ron and Ann and our special guest, a man of many layers, like the leaves of an artichoke, Jeff Belanger. Thank you. Artichokes have leaves? Bam. Sort of. I didn't know artichokes have leaves. Yeah, they have leaves. What else would you call them? Not leaves. But that's just me. What do I know? I would call them leaves. I know you did. I just did. Well, Jeff was right in the middle of telling, telling us something really fascinating when we got interrupted by the break. So, that's right. Yeah. No. Fair yeah. enough. It, so I would no. I was just saying how uh, you, you know I, I I think that that folklore sticks around because it has something to teach us. So the reason you know a building is haunted is because there's some underlying reason that's important. Uh, you know, an easy example would be say the Lizzie Borden house in Fall River. There's an unsolved double murder that took place there. That still haunts us. That still bothers us because we all know it could happen again where someone or some people could get murdered and someone gets away with it. And that bugs us. Um, you know, any legend sticks around for some reason. And so I, I just kind of want to celebrate it and explore, like, why do we have this? Why is it here? How did it get here? And why do we need it? And, and that's the question I ask of, of pretty much everything I hear. In some cases, and I'm really excited about our uh, Thanksgiving special, which will come out on Thanksgiving. No um, way. Yeah, I know. Mm. Crazy, huh? But it's, just, it's been really fun to just explore, you know, look, look at the world around you that you thought you knew and understand that it has a backstory. You know, uh, every building, every, st- every legend, every haunt, everything, there's a backstory to it. And that's the thing that fascinates me. I think so too, and I like these little things. That, and I, I just, you know, and I talked to you earlier, and you, you've been working on the uh, ghost adventures for quite a few years now, and since two thousand eight. Yeah, that's 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 wow. good. Yeah, and you you acquire a lot of the sites that they use on these things. Are you running out of sites to to? <laughs> No, you know, so when we started Ghost Adventures back in 2008, it was supposed to just be eight episodes. And uh, once it started airing, the show was pretty popular. And so they said, hey, let's let's get back to work, do more episodes. And we're now, um, gosh, I think we're closing in on around 200. 
And yeah, I know. And so the thing is, I, I'm not worried about ever running out of locations because there's always stories that that beg to be told. You know, we we do a few private homes now, mm-hmm. which um, you know, and and the thing about private homes is you don't even know how many are out there. Right. You know, like you That's know, the, you know the famous places. You know the Queen Marys and the Alamos and the, you know, like, Eastern like, State. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Eastern State Penitentiary. You, you know those, but then, and there's still more of those too, by the way. But, um, but when you include private homes and the more obscure haunts and so on, there's still plenty out there to investigate. And there's still, as you know, you know, you go to some of these locations and nothing happens one night, and you go another night and it's off the charts. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, there's places that some of them just beg to be investigated again. Have, right. you, have, have they ever run into that, go to a location after, you know, they do a shooting and nothing's happened? Yeah, they've had slow nights for sure. Um, and, and evidence of that, I've, you know, I would point to look at some of, like, the EVPs they have. Some of them are, you know, like, they'll even tell you, they're like, all right, this isn't the strongest. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are nights that it's just slow. There's not a lot going on. And then there's nights that... Boy, things are popping everywhere. So the ghosts are tired, man. They can't be on all the time. Well, haven't you guys found where the the people, the specific people in the room at the time, definitely play a role, oh, yeah. bearing on what happens? Because yes. yeah, you, you. I mean, I've done events, and there'll be like you know, a ten, twelve people in a section, and it's just it's popping everywhere there's noises and people are hearing voices and they're seeing shadows move and you're just like wow this is crazy mm-hmm. and then the next group comes in and it's just flat and because the only thing that's changed is that different bodies are now in the room and so i really feel like the energies we, we give off the stuff that might be more attached to us than location mm-hmm. um kind of makes itself known in some of these places Right. So, so that brings up to, to the question is, if it depends a lot upon us, then perhaps mediums are not so bad. Maybe they are those people that ghosts like to mess with or like mm-hmm. to communicate with. Yeah, I mean, I can see that. And I also believe that, uh, you know, and I've said this before, where you go to some locations and, you know, the, the people are having experiences that, aren't related to the location whatsoever. So they might be seeing or hearing or feeling something that is like, has no historic tie to the, to the building we're in whatsoever. And I believe what's happening is, you know, when you're going about your day and you're in the grocery store or whatever, you're not paying attention to the subtleties around you. You're just thinking about picking up the eggs, picking up the milk, getting what you need to get and getting out of there. When you go into a haunted building, suddenly you're you're in a different mindset. You're you're a little nervous. You're a little excited. You're a little bit like thinking about this stuff um, that you that you you know that you weren't thinking about in the grocery store. But here in this haunted building in the dark at night, now you're thinking about it. And when stuff starts to manifest, maybe just maybe this is these are things that are attached to you or to me. And that are around us all the time, but right now we're tuning in because of where we are. It has nothing to do with the location, but it has everything to do with how you're feeling uh, and and what you're experiencing in that moment. Definitely, definitely, I agree with that. The uh, in all the cases that you've done, uh, do you find that that's more? 
Although it seems to be less spirits as, as, uh, attached to a particular place rather than, uh, you know, just attached to people or just to the event itself. So for me, the most interesting cases are uh, when there are ghosts or spirits attached to the place. That's mm-hmm. just personally for me the most interesting mm-hmm. because w- when you've got multiple people saying, I've seen, you know, they, they describe the same ghost okay, that's cool. at the same yeah. place. To me, that's the most interesting because I can work with that. Mm-hmm. You know, if you say you see a little girl and Anne says she sees like an old man in a top hat and, you know, Karina says she sees a, you know, a ghostly kitten. I don't, <laughs> I don't, I don't know where to focus. You know what I mean? Right. Um, but if if the consistent story is yeah an old man in a top hat has been seen for decades in here by all kinds of people, and that's what we're seeing, boy that's just more interesting to me because then we can say like all right let's now, now we're we're getting in a little closer here we're focusing on a location and something specific and who was this man why was he here what happened here why what reason could he have to still stick around uh-huh. and to me that's the most interesting. You know, however, I, you know, I, I concede that we all have sensitivities and, and we all have certain abilities, some see more, hear more, feel more, whatever. Um, and I get that we, we do pick up on, on different things, but that's just it's it's too scattershot for me. I, I prefer to, uh, you know, find the location that's got something consistent. Mm-hmm. The, do you to you, what would constitute proof of a ghost? Um, so to me, proof is going to come on an individual basis. If uh, I tell yeah. you, Ron, I was in a building and I saw a man walk right out in the hallway and then vanish and there was nowhere for him to have gone, I can tell you that's a ghost. Now, you you know me and you may say, well, Jeff, you haven't been known to lie about this stuff, so I believe you. But you might also say, like, you know, maybe you were overtired, maybe you were this, maybe you were that. And that won't prove anything to you. And mm-hmm. even if I took a picture, even if I have a video, I, you could say, like, you know, I don't know. It's far away. It's blurry. Maybe you doctored this video. It's it, the, Unless I can put one in a jar, and I don't know anyone that's been able to do that yet. Well, they sold that on eBay. Except the Ghostbusters. Right. Well, uh, didn't, they, didn't they sell ghosts in a jar on eBay back in the day? Yeah, I've seen that. I uh, don't know. Yeah, they did. I think yeah. I missed that one. No, they did. That was one of the <laughs> things back on eBay. I thought they didn't they have like little mini marshmallows at the bottom, and it said that's ghost poop. Yeah, originally there was, and I mean, I remember well in my last book, Ghost uh, Ghost a Day, we which talked we all about, read. of course, you did. and uh, which is you know the the uh, grandpa's cane that was sold on uh, eBay because there was a spirit attached to it and they couldn't sell spirits on eBay, so they could sell his cane though. So that's how they get around that because eBay started to uh, clamp down on selling ghosts and things. Didn't some kid try to sell his soul? Yeah, <laughs> I, I tried that. Yeah, no you have a soul. Wait, you have a soul? What? Yep, have sold yeah. No way. Wasn't uh-huh. the high bid like eighteen cents, Ron? <laughs> <laughs> You're like, man, I can't give this thing away. Yeah. That's yeah, I, that's uh you know, I, I tried doing I remember that was one of my one of my first things I did on my radio show is that yeah. Sell your soul? Yeah, buy it now and I'll come back for you and uh, you know, I'll be yours. Do what you want. 
<laughs> no one wanted it. Nobody wanted the damn thing. Really? <laughs> like, oh, how, how much for you to not come back? Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a more interesting That would be a learning. higher bid, yeah. <laughs> right. yeah. You could retire. <laughs> I think so. Yeah. Nice. But anyway. Oh, my God. But anyway, so, I mean, the power doll is, it, it's such a, a strange field to be in. And do you think it's it'll ever, ever uh, be taken serious? So, I, the, the crazy thing is, I believe we were in a time... Not long ago, like just talking about 10, well, 20 years or so, 30 years ago, when it was really starting to do something. So Princeton University had the, you know, the pair, the Princeton Energy Anomalies Research Lab and Duke University used to have the Ryan Center. You know, so like so academia was doing good, you know, repeatable experiments on things like ESP and uh, and that kind of stuff. And then Pear was shut down, Princeton. The the Rhine Center was spun off out of Duke, and now they you know they're, they're looking for enough money to just keep the lights on. Uh-huh. And, and <laughs> so so what happened? You know, uh, I, I believe there was a parapsychology degree in the United States, but there's not anymore. Uh, Lloyd Auerbach was telling me about this, and, and forgive right. me if I have it wrong. But so academia was saying like, okay, let's really look at this stuff. Let's look at it through accredited, you know, sometimes Ivy League universities, uh-huh. and we were they they were going in, in the right direction. And now it's not. What happened? What happened in the last twenty, thirty years? Well, not so much in this country, but I mean, in the in the UK, they still do. You still can get grants to do yes. uh, sure. uh, right. research, uh, serious right. research. Uh, yeah. I know Cal Cooper has has been working on the uh, uh, flotation tank as part of the. Uh, uh, it's like a spinoff of uh, the Cyclomanthium and the uh, Ginx experiment, or whatever it's in, probably experiment, or whatever the hell it is called. So here's the thing, Ron. If I said, all right, Ron, I got a big bag of money, mm-hmm. what experiment are you going to run that you're going to need my funding for it? Right? I, I feel like if someone had the right experiment, and, and an experiment, you know, science means it's, it's repeatable, right? That if right. I tell you, if you mix this, you know, certain parts of ingredient A with certain parts of ingredient B, you will get this result every single time, whether I do it or Anne does it or anybody else, right? That's that's what science means. I have tested this. I had a hypothesis. I tested it. I, I had a repeatable result, and I've had my peers review it and run the same tests and get the same results. And so what what experiment can you come up with in regard to the paranormal, that that you would be able to get that outcome. Now, Princeton, one of the things they did, which was really interesting, they, they were um, experimenting with random number generators. And so to, to oversimplify what they were doing, let's call it a coin toss. You flip the coin, and it's going to be either heads or it's going to be tails. Right. And they would flip this coin hundreds, if not thousands of times, and they would put a test subject in front of it, and they would say... Okay, I want you. I want you, Ron, to just concentrate on heads. Think heads, 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 and you would just watch coin toss after coin toss and go heads. In, in reality, they were they were asking you to to influence the number on a high end or a low end, and they would tell Anne, "All right, tails, whatever." And and they had all these these test subjects come through, and and they were told what to do, and they found that a measurable amount of time, what was what should have been a pure fifty fifty uh, experiment 
was affected by simple mind willpower uh-huh. of test subjects saying, I want it to be heads or I want it to be tails. Uh-huh. And and that was repeatable. And it happened again and again. Not a lot. We're not talking like, you know, 10% or 20%, but enough that it was measurable. And and so, you know, that's really fascinating. There was a, there was an experiment, and I'm, I'm not sure of the disease. I'm not sure if it was cancer or heart disease or whatever. But there was a, a number of patients and... Uh, Half of the the uh, test group uh, was prayed for, and they were prayed for from all types of people all over the world. You know, you had Catholics, you had shamans, you had uh, you know Buddhists, and, and they just prayed for these people. Nobody, that's all they were. And the other half was not prayed for. And statistically, the group that was prayed for did better, had better results than the group that didn't. So that, you know, is kind of like, you know, that's a good experiment and that, okay, do we, can we influence something in that's, you know, material in our world with just thought? Positive energy. Positive energy. Princeton proved the same thing with coin tosses, right? Or with a random number generator. So, okay, here's the challenge to any paranormal investigator who may be listening. If you come up with a truly interesting experiment, and I don't mean like, you know, lining up K2 meters in the dark. Oh, I mean, a, a truly interesting experiment that's controllable and repeatable. Mm-hmm. If, if you've really given this some thought, I believe you could get the right people interested to fund it, to fund an actual oh, study. I, I thought you were going to say you were going to put up the money for it. That at least. Nah. I, I, I was getting all ready for that. You know? I'm, I'm going through my wallet right now, and I've got about thirty-seven dollars. <laughs> that will do it. Sorry. That'll that might pay for the donuts. But, hey. um, but no. But my point is, like, if if you had an experiment that you said, like, okay, I think this could prove something, and this is how I've set up. This is this experiment. This is what I would need to run it. I believe that you could find funding. You could absolutely find funding. Uh, there would be people out there who would be interested in, in funding that. It could be academia. You, you know, there's a whole world of grants and things that are out there that you and I don't know about because we don't go looking for them. We're not we're not grant seekers. You know, we're, we're, we right. we hunt ghosts. And so, um, if anyone out there has has a truly interesting experiment, and I'm not even talking about like EVP or otherwise, like come up with it, write it down. Publish it, and I, I think if you want to get somewhere, think outside the box. Don't just try to do what they do on TV shows right. and say, this is my experiment. I'm going to go into the haunted house and get EVP or bring in an infrared camera. Like, really ask big questions, something that could be repeatable in a lab. And, and I, you know, I think we could get somewhere. But one of the problems is that I, I thought it was great, the promo you had from Harry Price earlier. And uh, that's that's amazing how clear he came through on the ghost box. That was yeah, really was incredible, awesome. huh? Yeah. That was unbelievable. And so, I mean, literally, unbe- I don't believe it. It was that unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. I and so, I uh, you know, if you, if you read Harry Price's, you know, uh, you know, Confessions of a Ghost Hunter, which was written, you know, closing in on a century ago. Yeah, <laughs> right. We haven't changed much. <laughs> we're, we're running on the same ideas. You know, back when Harry Price, psychical research all began because, uh, you know, the, the spiritualist movement started in 1848. And then the, the U.S. Civil War happened and you had all these people dying untimely deaths and, and people seeking answers from, you know, psychics and mediums. And then psychical research began. And then this is also the time period when electricity started to become uh, – <laughs> widely used 
And, and electricity, you know, we take it for granted. You hit a light switch and the light goes on. You don't think anything of it. But back then, back in the late 1800s, early 1900s, that was a damn miracle. A miracle. <laughs> and so people that were doing psychical research and psychic mediums are saying, yes, electricity, the energy, this, this is what we're doing. It's just you're harnessing it through a wire. I'm harnessing it through the air. You know, you had people like Tesla who were broadcasting energy. You know, and and I mean, you you can take a Tesla coil to this day. Turn on a Tesla coil, get a, a fluorescent light bulb, and just hold yeah. it near the Tesla coil. It will light up, right? Because the mm-hmm. energy is literally in the air. And so, this was it was all coming together. And Harry Price was saying, of course, this it must be electricity, it must be energy that explains this stuff. So, you know, galvometers, electric, you know, static meters, and so on must be able to detect ghost energy. And we haven't evolved that thinking. Uh, in almost a century, and and so it's it's time to if you really want to be scientifical, get on it, you know. Scientifical. <laughs> yeah, with, with the skepticals. The skepticals and the scientificals. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Ron stymied. It's a Ronism. That's fine. It's a Ronism. Yes, that's, that's absolutely perfect. fine. Absolutely. Absolutely. Fine. Yeah. <laughs> You know, the the problem is that we assume so many things in the paranormal. Uh, We assume that ghosts use electrical energy. We assume that uh, EMF is is generated uh, during paranormal activity. And there's really no no proof that it is. It's just we go on these assumptions, and uh, sometimes these assumptions are not uh, of uh, any scientific basis at all. Uh, I mean, look at look at the arms. I mean, just they're making a comeback now. They are. Uh-huh. I know. Remember, I thought we were done with them. Orbs. Orbs. Abs. You said abs. Orbs. Abs. Yes. Yeah. No, yeah, right. I thought we were all done. I thought we we had it. They had a good run, and uh, we, we we've moved on. And and you know something else happened too, Ron. You have to remember. Back when orbs got really popular, digital cameras were like one megapixel. You got it. Right. And, and <laughs> orbs were everywhere. You know, when you have low resolution, you had orbs in every other shot. Mm-hmm. Now, even your cell phone has got like, you know, eight, 12 megapixel cameras. Right. And, and so we're getting a lot less orbs than we ever did in our photos because the cameras are just better quality. I mean, I've got a I've got a 23 megapixel Sony camera that I use, um, you know, when I travel. There's never been an orb in it ever. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's a really good high end camera. That's you know, and if it was getting orbs, I'd be mad. <laughs> you know, you know, it's, it's exactly. I always I always get amazed at ourselves. I mean, we we always look at you know ancient aliens, you know, how we couldn't possibly build pyramids, we couldn't possibly do this, we couldn't possibly do it. And you look at the amazing things we've done with what we've had. I mean, you look at uh, Renaissance architecture, how intricate and everything is, and they didn't have any power tools back then. Look what we did to the moon. We had a whole room full of guys sitting there with slide rules doing yeah. that. There was more computer in our watch than they had at that time. It's, That's right. it's just crazy how how what the human person, the human uh, species, can do when they have to, or when they want to. We just can't get along. Yeah, that's true. 
What are you going to do? Absolutely. Nothing. Just keep trying. And I think, you know, one Everybody of the things does. that I love about these stories, these haunts, there there is an underlying theme that connects all of us. And that that theme is that, you know, we're all going to die. <laughs> Every one of us. That's that's the great equalizer. Well, some and, of us. Well, right, except Ron. And then, uh, you know, it, w- these stories have something to teach us and, and some way to, uh, you know, some way to bind us. And that's interesting. Yes. I know we're almost out of time, Jeff, so uh, if anything you would like to bring up, this would be a great time to do it. Uh, you know, just saying. No, I just think that uh, the discussion is what's important. And, and that's right, so. everything. You know, keep talking, keep listening, keep sharing the stories because – What's cool is when we share these stories, it really is a bonding thing between people. Like if, if remember, like sitting around the campfire 50 years ago, hey, let me tell you about this crazy haunted place I heard about. And, you know, you, you talk about that. And, and let me tell you about this weird experience I had, these lights I saw in the sky. Whatever it is, it allows us to explore the big questions. And I think that's important that we just keep, keep that dialogue going. And if uh, somebody wants to get a, in touch with you to complain about what you said in the show, where can they reach you? They should go through Ron Kolick at the New England <laughs> Project, and he uh, he filters everything, so I don't hear anything negative. Absolutely. <laughs> Perfect. No, you can find me on Twitter and Facebook, and my website's jeffbelanger.com, but you don't know how to spell that, so you're going to have to just guess at the spelling and Google Belanger. Belanger. Yeah. Wow. It's, it's, it's pronounced the way it's, it's spelled, you know, Belanger. Someone's at the door. Pizza from the dead. Do 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 do. One of these days. Because we're hungry. Yeah, I know. We should have pizza for the show. Pizza what? Pizza for the show. Pizza for the show. We could do that. Yeah, yeah. Next live show we'll do it. The live show, which is November 29th. Oh, Jeff is still here. We should talk to him. Yes, (laughs) he is. Well, Jeff, we want to thank you so much for being on the show today. It's always great talking to you and, and learning what's going on with you and all the neat stuff you do and all that stuff. Well, thanks. Thanks for having me. And, uh, you know, it's always a pleasure to talk to you guys. And, and it's been, you know, God, we've all known each other a long time. We're just getting old. Yeah. Uh, well, not no, me. Just Ron. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Just Ron. Mm-hmm. Not me. Yep. Yeah, so, uh, you know, if you ever get any more, you know, unique investigations, just call me. Cause I know. <laughs> you, you mean like the, uh, the yeah. pole dancing studio? Yeah, uh, like the haunted yeah. pole dancing studio. A good All friend, right. Wendy. Yes. I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready to go back. All right. Yeah. We'll call her up. I'm sure she'll love to have us all come in. You know, I don't understand why you can't get us into the uh, Playboy Mansion since they had your book there. They did. And uh, I don't know if you heard this or not, but Hugh Hefner died. That's perfect timing. That's right. Yeah, no, I know. Get in there. I'm, I'm losing my contacts there. I, uh, <laughs> uh, I'll make some calls, Ron. I'll let you know. I mean, I can talk to him. That's not a problem. You know. <laughs> I, I've got connections. Yeah. Mm, if you say so. I do. I do. All right. Anyway, so remember, if you've got a good project you want to work on for serious scientific work, contact Jeff, and he'll give you all the information how he'll fund it for you. Wow. Thanks. That's great. Yeah. And uh, I noticed that you uh, you still can pick up $20. That's good. I appreciate that. 
<laughs> Good times. I, some of us can't appreciate that, but anyways. I, I, I'll tell you, we've got, Jeff and I have, have got more uh, mileage out of that investigation than I think anything else I've ever done. Right. Hey, Karina, Karina says we have to leave. We're Thank done. All right, so I guess we'll go. Jeff, thanks a lot for being on the show. Thanks Thank for you, everyone Jeff. for listening to you. Uh, listen to us and uh, tune in next week where we'll have somebody equally as interesting as Jeff. All right, thanks. Good night. God bless. Thanks for listening, everybody. Wow, where's the music? From Gordy's <laughs> to Gordy's. I would never do that. I remember my first radio show. Things that go bump in the night. Deliver us good law. In today's business.